Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, this episode is one that I have been excited about for a long time. And today, I'm going to be having a conversation with a friend of mine about marketing. Now, for me, marketing is a word that I get really excited about, and I feel like there is a lot of confusion about as well. I think that for many companies, in particular, many fireplace retailers, they think about marketing as advertising, right? What are we going to do for TV advertising this year? Well, we better come up with a marketing plan. And I believe that marketing is significantly bigger than that. Now, advertising might be a way that you apply marketing, but marketing is something that is much bigger that has to do with who your brand is and what kind of promise and solution it delivers to your customers or your potential customers. Now, I would say for many companies that are either a manufacturer or a distributor, oftentimes marketing is kind of forgotten about because it's like, well, we have a bunch of customers and we want to get more customers. So let's just have our sales reps go and try to make more calls. And even there, I think that there's something that's being left out to what marketing isn't entirely. And again, for many manufacturers, I think that that marketing is always thought of how can we go and find that new demographic or how can we talk about this really cool product that we just came out with. And I think in each one of these instances, there's something that is missing in that outlook on marketing. And today's conversation is going to dive really deep into this. Now, today, I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine named Tyler Anderson. And we'll get into it a little bit in the conversation. But I met Tyler a couple of years ago at the HPB Expo in Atlanta. And my friend Steven Schroeder introduced me to him because his company works specifically with Napoleon on some of their initiatives. And as I got to know Tyler... I, I have just been so impressed with this guy. He he has such a heart to serve and to learn and to bring to fruition what is vague and, and abstract. And I was actually in Milwaukee a little while ago and we spent some time together in person. And when I walked into his company's building, their slogan is return on ideas. And to me, it just speaks to the fact that ideas are amazing but they're often vague and abstract. And their job and what Tyler does specifically is trying to take those abstract ideas and hone them into something that moves the needle for their clients and makes life better for the end user of that product or service. So in today's conversation, we get into a lot about marketing and in particular advocacy. Your marketing can create a customer that becomes an evangelist, an advocate for your business. And at the end of the conversation, both Tyler and myself talk about some businesses that we are advocates for. And I'll tell you, Tyler's is uh, a little surprising, but it just goes to show that it doesn't matter what the product or service is. If that company can identify with their customers and help them solve a problem to make their life better and give them an amazing experience people will go to the wall. 
for that company. So this is a conversation I'm really excited for you to hear. I'll circle back at the end and share a few thoughts. But in the meantime, get ready to hear an amazing conversation about marketing. Joining me from Milwaukee, Wisconsin is an account director at Hoffman York. I'm here today with Tyler Anderson. Tyler, how you doing, man? Tim, I'm doing great. I'm honored to be here. Excited to uh, to throw it out on the podcast with you this week. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to have you. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. And just like, no joke, man, I would say that you are like one of my three favorite people I've met in the last few years. Well, consider this the mutual appreciation society because <laughs> I am also a huge fan of yours and what you do. And I think something we both have in common is just the passion we have for, um, I think, this industry and marketing in general um, and just kind yeah. of evolving it and bringing a breath of fresh air to to marketing, I think, is really exciting and something we have in common and a, a shared, you know, shared value for. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's give a little bit of backstory on you. So you work for a marketing agency called Hoffman York that is in the heart of Milwaukee. Can you talk a little bit just about like what your company does and how you got connected to the fireplace industry? Yeah. Hoffman York is actually one of the oldest advertising agencies in Milwaukee. We've been around for over 100 years servicing clients of all different backgrounds, uh, size and industries. Uh, today, we specialize in outdoor tourism, home durables. And actually, that's one of our sweet spots is, is our category of in and around the home, whether it's home building products or products that consumers love to have in and around their home. We really attract clientele that specialize in that. And I think it's a really interesting category. Uh, and that's actually how we got involved with Napoleon. We had some business in the past with cabinets, wood floors, um, and the building sector and was introduced to a contact at Napoleon. They obviously do fireplaces, heating and cooling, built-in grills, a lot of products that um, builders and architects and then, of course, the consumers are interested in for their homes. and. Uh, pitched the business, won the business, and we've been happy to be partnering with them for uh, the last 10 years. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. And so we met because of Steven Schroeder. So he introduced us a couple of years ago, and we had dinner that night with him and some of the Napoleon team and you. And, and I came away from that dinner just so encouraged. I felt like there are many people in marketing that are about fluff and spin and uh, man, you guys seem to really be trying to cut to the heart and, and do something of substance and like, you know, walking into your building and seeing that idea of like ROI, return on ideas, like trying to take the ideas that your clients have that are maybe abstract and, and maybe not pointed and direct and be able to hone those and turn them into something that changes behavior and, and makes a difference. I think that's a really cool mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I think, you know, Napoleon is just a special client for us because they're in a unique place in the market and position where they can say, if there's a better way to do something, we will do it, we'll figure it out. And I think being able to partner as an agency with a brand like that is a dream. And I think what marketing is all about, if there's a better way to do something or approach something or rethink something, let's do it. And I think that that's, that's what I wake up to do every day. And um, that's what I'm lucky enough to do with Napoleon and here at Hoffman York. That's awesome. So let, let's talk about this. I, I feel like in our industry, marketing is very vague and many people think, well, marketing just means advertising and marketing, you know, advertising can be a part of it, but marketing is something that is much bigger than just like what ad you run on Facebook or on TV at, at its core. Like, can you give me just like some of the basics of how you think about marketing? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I think it's a fun one because everyone thinks about marketing differently. But when I think about marketing, um, you know, just breaking down the word itself, it's marketing your products or your services to someone. And I think about it as how can you get people to fall in love with your brand or to be inspired hmm. by your brand? And really, I said this before, but when I say, what am I really waking up to do every day? It's to motivate people to enjoy our brand, experience our brand, um, to change behaviors or to act differently or try something new. And um, I think that's what marketing is all about. Um getting people to take a chance, you know, uh, so few brands in the world are known by everyone and, and don't have to introduce themselves to people anymore. Most of the brands that we probably can think of local brands, brands we love, um, maybe niche or not known. And I think yeah. that's something that's really cool to marketing. And it's how can we get our names out there, introduce ourselves and, and have people feel like, Hey, that's the brand for me. Um, and so yeah. love is a strong word, but I think encapsulating, how can we make people fall in love with our brand is, is really how I would uh, encapsulate marketing. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and, and it's funny, like going back to just our, our mutual connection, uh, you have twin girls. My wife is an identical twin. You work for a marketing agency in Milwaukee. My wife for years worked for a marketing agency as their finance controller in Portland. And uh, like walking into Hoffman, New York, I was like, oh my gosh, like am I, am I back at my wife's old job? Because all these similarities with it. But where I'm going with this is like one thing that I've found to be very true as we've gotten to know each other. I feel like you are always making the push to how can we personalize this brand or this initiative for the people that are going to be reading it, viewing it, consuming it. And I'm going back actually to the article that you wrote in the Firetime Journal this year. It was about marketing, but the title of it was Let's Get Personal, Four Ways to Accelerate Advocacy for Your Business. But in in so many conversations that we've had, I feel like personalizing marketing for the person that it's intended for is a huge deal. And I'd love to just set you up with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, you know, I talked about getting people to fall in love with your brand as marketing at a macro level. I think when I'm really rolling up my sleeves and wanting to solve problems, something that I also consider myself as not just a marketer, but I think inherently part of the game is problem solver. On the micro level, I think, you know, who that person is that you're trying to get to fall in love with your brand, try not to think about a million people, break them down as to who are they? Can I put a face and a name to them? Can I try and put myself in their shoes and understand what problems they're having? I think when you really get down to that personal level um, and solve problems on a personal level, you'd be surprised actually how many people might fit into a group that that problem can solve. And so I absolutely love saying, hey, what can we know more about ourselves, our problem and, and our target audience to say, how can we get personal and make people feel like what we're doing is just for them? I think that when we yeah. think about getting people to fall in love with your brand or your product, that that's where it starts. Well, that's like, I mean, this this goes into Seth Godin. And actually, I want to share a quote here. We can riff on that. I've heard Seth Godin say that an ad for everyone is an ad for no one. And I, I agree with that so much. And I actually think a company for everyone is a company for no one. A product for everyone is a product for no one. And at the end of the day, the issue that many companies have, it's not that they need to get broader with their reach of who to find. They actually need to get narrower and say, if you're like this, oh my gosh, our product is for you. If you're not like this, we're probably not the best fit. And it might sound counterintuitive, but I think that narrowing a scope of focus for a particular audience makes marketing so effective versus making something like, I mean, again, you see like a Kleenex ad on TV or like a Coca-Cola ad. I mean, God bless them. But like, 
when something is for everybody, like Coke or Pepsi, it's just a commodity. There's no loyalty to that to that brand. It's just some vanilla ad to try to please a demographic, you know, according to what people say in a boardroom versus a, a company that has true loyalty. Like I would say Apple, like I would say Apple has true loyalty and a true brand where if Coca-Cola goes out of business tomorrow, no one cares. They'll just they'll just start drinking Pepsi. They might complain about it for a day. But if Apple goes out of business tomorrow, dude, there's riots in the streets over that. And I'm not saying Apple's the perfect company, but I'm saying that they have found who their customer is. And they've said, if this is who you are, we've got a product. But if you're not like this, we don't have a product for you. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it comes down to ultimately a really strong set of values. And again, having those for yourselves, Apple has really strong values. Nike, some of your most globally recognized or favorite brands in the world, it comes down to really strong values and adhering to those. And sometimes that means making difficult decisions, you know? And I think, again, it comes down to that. Everything is a relationship. It's not a transaction. It's a, you know, really great marketing and connection. When people fall in love with brands. It's a relationship. Um, so I think that truly understanding people um, and understanding yourself and being able to say this is this is the service that we do or this is what we offer and this is what we do best and we want to do only the best and therefore we can't do everything is so important in how you see brands really really win um you know you mentioned you're in portland i'm a huge fan of portland because of the food scene and the restaurants yeah. and my biggest takeaway from those restaurants is they all only have a couple things on the menu and yeah. they just say, this is all we do. And we do it so well. And we stick to those values. And if you want to get something else, there's probably another great shop down the road who specializes in just that too. And I think yeah. that there's this almost like, you know, a high tide raises all the ships of, of Portland where we say, hey, let's all specialize in what we do, not worry about being something for everyone in the collective of the of the whole culture yeah. or city or community as well. Just this awesome end product and end result for visitors and consumers in the city. So um, I think yeah. on a macro level, business is a lot the same. And Yeah, it's true. And I mean, so this is kind of leading me here. I wasn't planning this before we, we jumped on our call, but this is a phrase I think about a lot. And it, it's, it's one that Seth Godin says, and he says, the key to understanding marketing is to understand this phrase. People like us do things like this. And Seth Godin says, that's marketing. If you can understand the phrase, people like us do things like this, then you can be a good marketer. And uh, dude, let's just kick that phrase around a little bit. Like what goes through your mind when you hear that idea? Like people like us do things like this. Well, the, you know, the way I interpret it, and it could be wrong, is really how can we put ourselves in our end users' shoes and really think about the, the world through their eyes and then be able to say, wow, once we can really go through that exercise or truly use empathy to see the problem or a challenge or an opportunity through someone else's perspective, you can then be in their brain and say, now, what would I do? Now, what would I do next? What would I expect next? Or what, what would I want? How would I want that experience to end? And I think that it almost sounds like something easier that you don't need to do uh, or that you could predict something, but truly going through and wearing someone else's shoes for a minute allows you to then see the world through their eyes and say, hey, now I can say people like us would want to do something like this uh, or would yeah. act like this. Um, I don't know. How How do you interpret that? I, I've never heard that quote before. So at, at first blush, I may yeah. be uh, understanding it incorrectly. Yeah, no, I, that's really good. That, that's a different angle than I've thought of. But I think it's really legitimate that understanding who your customer is and what they do puts you in a position to be able to, again, help solve a problem. 
We'll get back to our conversation with Tyler Anderson in just one second. Hey, if you have been listening to this episode and thinking about marketing and user experience and, and just the question of, well, how do people come into contact with my business? Do they even know how to buy a fireplace if they go to my website? How's it organized? Is it set up to help this customer identify what's going to work and move them to the next step? Well, the truth is that most companies in our industry have a website that is confusing at best and absolutely aggravating at worst. Now, this is something we've been planning at Wi-Fire for a while, but we want to make your company's website. We want to make it. We spent a lot of time over the last few months diving into the best ways to showcase our products to consumers that have never bought them before and give clear next steps that they can follow to solve the problem and work with your company. Now, websites can be incredibly expensive and they can take forever. And I'm telling you, these websites are so cheap compared to the going rate and it doesn't take that long to set up. On average, it's going to take four to five weeks. So if your company is sick of having an outdated website that you paid too much for, you can't update it, and you're a slave to whoever it was that built it, you need to take a look at having Wi-Fi or build your company's website. Now, you can get more information on that by going to wifire.com. That's W-H-Y-F-I-R-E.com. So, you know, you're a ridiculous trail runner. We can maybe get to that in a second, right? I mean, you just told me you just literally ran like over 40 miles in one sitting, which just blows my mind, right? So, so you've got this hobby and you're part of this very niche community like most people aren't ridiculous trail runners like that but there's like a way you do things when you're a trail runner there's people that you pay attention to there's races that you follow there's shoes that you wear so people like us trail runners do things like this we go to these events we train this way we buy these things we eat these things and i think that if there's a, a brand that can come along and say oh are you a trail runner that eats like this and that, and that wears these and that does these things and goes, oh my gosh, if this is you, then you have to look at this. It's almost like an aspirational call. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's like Pandora's box. That's kind of where I was getting to in a different way is that people want to be understood. People want to feel like brands get them and people get them. And that um, I think you're seeing marketing get smarter and, and it gets back to personalization. And as you said, why you teed that up, it's like, wow, I trust this company. They get me. They're showing me something that I love trail running. And all of a sudden there's this aspirational trail running image in my inbox. And I'm going to say, yeah, let me shop for those shorts. You know, you really connect with me. And I, I definitely believe in that. Yeah. You know, and even thinking about the way that he says it, people like us do things like this. It's not, oh, okay. People like you do things mm -hmm. like this. It's people like us. So it, the marketer has to be a part of the tribe to earn the authority to ask them to go somewhere. And, and I think about, I'm just going to give two examples here. Um, I think about a company like Nike. Now, ironically, I live, you know, five miles from the Nike world headquarters. I am not a Nike fan. This is a different conversation, but I do not buy Nike. I only wear it if it's given to me and I can't take it back. So that's just me. But Nike with their marketing, they're part of the community. Like you're selling running shoes or basketball shoes. Dude, Nike says, we're in this community. If you're a basketball player, we're basketball players too. If you're a runner, we are runners too. They're in that community. Whereas 
if you were to take this, instead of saying people like us do things like this, if you were to say people like you do things like this, therefore I'm going to try to understand you and put some propaganda to sell you something. I think about a company, this is so old, but years ago I swore I would never go into a, a Jared's Galleria of Jewelry because their commercials were so bad. I was like, I will never ever do business with this company now that who knows maybe someday the joke will be on me and i will but when i watch their tv commercials and i see their marketing it's very clear in no way are they actually one of the tribe with their customer they're looking at like a demographics report in a white tower saying oh people like you do things like this okay so let's put this ad in front of you to make you do something right it's like the rat in the cage versus the people shoulder to shoulder that are climbing a mountain together. And like, even though I'm not a Nike fan, that's what Nike does is they they're saying, Hey, we are part of the tribe. Let's go climb this mountain as opposed to observing the rat from the Petri dish and trying to put cheese in the right place. Yeah, I totally agree. That's an awesome uh, North star for marketers to have and think about. So, okay. I want to ask you this. Um, marketing is always changing. And especially for hearth retailers, it's like, well, okay, what should I do? I mean, do I advertise? Like I heard TikTok's a thing now and Snapchat used to be a thing, but not anymore. And now there's chat GPT and AI and there's all these things. You were talking to me the other day about how like there's a lot of flashes in the pan, but at the end of the day, the basics of marketing are really where you should stay. And, I, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I do think that as a marketer and a, as a business owner or someone trying to advertise their products or grow their business, it, it's probably a wild world out there that is only seeming to get faster and more chaotic, more technologically advanced as chat GPT and AI starts becoming more and more real and seemingly more and more um, threatening to some people's jobs or life as we know it today. But ultimately, I think it comes back to that idea of user experience and putting yourself in your customer's shoes. I think that's what marketing needs to do. And ultimately, there's different ways to do that through social media and with signage and billboards and guerrilla ideas. Um, but it's all about getting you know the right message in the right place in the right time. And I think that user experience is what we really focus on here at Hoffman York as like, you know, sometimes there's always going to be a new flavor of the week, like threads or TikTok or chat GPT, but um, really sticking to the basics is what we try and encourage our clients to do. And there's, again, always technologically advancing ways to do that. Yeah. So um, user experience, what is user experience? I think, you know, when websites were first getting built and coming around is when the terminology and the practice really first started to take hold, although you could argue it's been happening for, for ages. Um, but when people are building websites and, and trying to say, hey, we want to offer up all this information, uh, how do we do it? What's the best way for people to to navigate our site or find the shopping cart, you know, are, are you an engineered minded person and you just want to see all the options at once? Or are you more, you know, whoa, that would overwhelm me, like help me get there with a breadcrumb approach to where I need to yeah. be. And I think that there was this real challenge and argument between, you know, brands and website builders and developers and saying, you know, what's the right thing. And, and that's where user development really took hold in this idea of understanding what your consumer needs or your end user needs and talking to them, putting them in front of a computer. Hey, where would you expect this button to be? Yeah. Where would you expect this product to be when you, you know, would you under this page or that page? And that's where it really started taking hold of, wow, how can we put ourselves in our end user's shoes and understand the problem through their eyes? So now fast forward to today, we implement this on everything, not just websites. And I think it's all about talking to people 
understanding their problem and then applying what value we bring to the table and, and how we can solve that problem. Um, so I think first things back to basics, you know, school season is coming up. I think planning is coming up here in, in marketing and advertising world for next year. It's always about what what's our objective. And I know how basic that sounds, but but truly what problem are we trying to solve? And I think it goes back to your aspirational push of how, how can we be more narrow, more exacting, more precise? A quote that I like to say on my side is a, a problem well-defined is a problem half solved. If we don't know exactly what we're doing, how are we going to solve it? And so when I think about Napoleon and, and their customers, fireplace owners, I know it's a lot of the industry that you serve as well. It's like, hey, what product do we really want to sell this year? Or are we are we breaking into outdoor? Or is it more of services and installation or uh, new construction? I mean, and it may be all of the above, but truly putting those words on paper and, and, and writing goals and objectives, you know, how did we do last year? What, what are we going to do? Is it a realistic goal? Is it measurable? Can we put time against it? And then starting to, you know, whether it's brainstorm or, or ideate or just kind of more of a logical approach, who do you need? What do you need to do? It doesn't all need to be a creative assignment early on, but just, hey, what kind of person typically buys this product? Is it a pro or is it a consumer? Yeah. What kind of consumer? What might their issues be? I mean, if I'm trying to push a new electric product, how can I put myself in the user's experience and, and in their shoes and say, what are some of the things that they probably don't like about electric or are, are going to be, be challenged to yeah. convert on? And how can you say, this is what I'm going to do to combat that and, and really being proactive about, about that. But it, it all comes back to knowing your customer and really being able to put yourself yeah. in their shoes and being narrow with your problems and your solutions to say, this is, this is exactly how we can attack that. Um, and then yeah. testing and trying and learning. Yeah, it's so good. You know, I think that like what you're saying, if like everything comes back to the user experience, dude, I, I think that's it. You know, again, like many times people want to hire like a marketing company to save the day or like to go find that missing demographic. And I would say like, I think, I think the value of a marketing company is them being able to work with you to identify who you already have and how to reach them. It's not that, I mean, it's not that you can't grow and, and go into new markets and things like that. But I think that for most of the people that are listening to this, like, honestly, I think that your installation services are part of your marketing. I think that, you know, when your when your crew calls before they show up at the job site, when they park in the road rather than the driveway and they go up to the front door, they knock on the door and ask permission to park in the driveway. Like what plumber has ever done that in my life that I've ever expected? Like, no plumber's ever done that. But like these little things that set you apart, the way that you clean the job site, you know, off when you're done, the way that you circle back at the end to check in and make sure they're happy with the installation. It's actually a marketing effort. Because what it's doing is it is making an impression of your brand on people and it's making them fall in love. And like, this goes back to your article that you wrote, like when people fall in love with your brand, they can't help but talk about it, right? Yeah, of course. And I think they become advocates. And I think advertising and marketing, we have this problem maybe more than anyone else is, is we get in our own bubble and we forget that there are people who don't know as much as we know about our specialty. And I think, again, I may be saying things here that a lot of people listening may say, I, I know that I practice that and that that's good, then, then that's great. Um, but, you know, when was the last time, even as a working session or a breakout with yourself, with your team to say, hey, let's pretend we know nothing about fireplaces. Let's sit in this room and say, 
let's pretend we are not not a new construction, just a, a remodel, new new living room remodel. And well, where do we start? People don't know anything about how to buy a fireplace, and we forget that sometimes. And and just think about how often things change. People might be going to Chat GPT now, saying, "Where do I start? Or where's the best yeah. fireplace?" Right? You know how fast things change. So it's a reminder of don't be afraid to do that once a year, twice a year. Think. In, and it could be, think about a different problem and scenario about a customer doing electric or your builder. You know, what do they need to do? How do you need to arm your builder to, to sell through to that consumer? Truly sitting down at the beginning stages or the life cycle of what their buying experience could be. That's what I mean when I say user experience of saying, you know, it could sound goofy, but let's do some role playing. Like, let's pretend we're a, a new family, young kids in the house. We remember that Christmas wasn't Christmas unless the fire was on. So what do we do? Do we, Yellow Pages, Google? Um, do we visit a couple stores? I don't even know the first thing about how to put a fireplace in. When you do that, all of a sudden ideas can flow to say, hey, here's what the first thing we should say to customers coming in our door. You might not know, you, you know how to put a fireplace in. That's why you're yeah. glad we came to you. To us, we're experts. You know, again, that was made up in a bad example. But you can you've gone through that empathy session to say, this is what they might be worried about, concerned about, it's like they don't know how much it costs or they had no idea that you needed, you know, venting or or installation or whatever yeah. it is. All of a sudden you can start to think, hey, here's how we could proactively address these things or think about these. All of a sudden, someone walks through your door, you're saying, "Hey, I, you know, addressing them or thinking about, you know, oh, they they asked this question. Oh, th this triggers something and now all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, you get me." And it brings us back to what you were saying of like I trust you. I've been to two stores and no one else has gotten me like you have. Thanks for thanks for knowing that I was thinking about that. You know, and it's like as people who are in the industry and you, we get it, you know, people walking through the door every day, we're actually constantly learning and, and intaking data with just people asking questions, going to, to different products. And I think um, taking a minute to just process that, talk about that, think about that, and then think about how you can use that in the future for more people like them that are probably going to walk through the door. And I think ultimately it's, marginal gains but that will add up closing a couple more sales getting a couple yeah. more advocates a couple more repeat customers all of a sudden that snowballs when yeah. it's all of a sudden you got to go to these guys they they will treat you like you know like you're a family and they totally yep. got it for me and that's why i would go back and that's why i recommend them and i could go on and on so again some of the stuff i feel like we're talking about you know make sure that your audience feels like you get them and live life in their shoes for a day. It sounds obvious and simple, but man, that's the stuff that matters. It's not a new TikTok video every time. Yeah, yeah. sure. TikTok may be a means for you to get a message out or a video that's out. Right. And I'm a fan of, of TikTok too, but when it really comes to moving the needle, it's for us, who's our audience again? What's our more, most recent challenge? Do we need to talk to them uh, again, just as an interview and say, Hey, what's, what's the latest? How are you using your fireplace? Or, you know, what do you think about electric today? Um, their opinions might have changed after this whole gas range yeah. oven uh, conversation and, and cultural debacle. Yeah. You know, it's like things change so fast. And I think that's a theme that we're talking about today. Um, but I think the best way to really take advantage of that is go back to basics and think what hasn't changed, um, you know, people and the way that they think. So how can we try and connect with that so that we can make them know that we're part of the tribe and we get them? Yeah. Oh man, that's great. And and I'm, I literally wrote this down. I wrote down empathy session. Like when was the last time you had an empathy session 
to think about things from your customer's perspective. And dude, like, I mean, the little bit of interactions that I've, that I've had with you on this, man, like I've seen you go to inordinate efforts and, and you guys as a company to have empathy sessions for even like Napoleon. Like, how would we feel if we were Napoleon? How do their customers feel? Like, I see you live this out. And, and that's, that's really cool because it does all come down to that. Let's round out talking about advocacy. So this goes back to the article that you wrote in the journal when you talked essentially about how like the old adage is that a bad experience, they tell 10, a good experience, they tell two. And you kind of think that's a little bit different now. And like, maybe just talk about like, why is advocacy so powerful and why should companies be putting everything they have into getting it? I think you know people could easily make the leap to why advocacy is important, why I think that adage has changed a little bit. And maybe people would disagree or think it was never true in the first place. But there was the old, you know, if you have a bad dinner, you'll tell everyone. And if you have a good one, you might tell one friend or something. But I think social media has changed that. And there's almost like, let me call it humble brag, call it I want people to know that I have a great life and, um, you know, a little bit of pride. But I think people just love sharing online. And, and sure, that's some bad things. But more and more, that's Things you're proud of, finishing a race, your kids, um, you know, something you're you're proud of. And that now I think is good experiences too. People are so stoked to share at a great dinner or call this, uh, you know, as you said, like plumber, he's the best, you know, and I think that that is changing. People are almost more excited and, and, and more happy to share good news or good experiences than bad today. And so I, I kind of took an angle at that in the article I wrote, but you can't say how important that is because... I think the most important customer you have is one you already have. And and those yeah. are the people that have already made the leap. They've engaged with you. They've trusted you. And if you can win them over, they probably have friends in similar demographic or income bracket. And right. And we talked yep. about wanting to stay narrow. And so if you got someone like them, odds are they have peers like them. And so if you can activate someone that you've already completed a service for, and if I'm a listener, I'm thinking that I probably did a pretty good job completing that service. I'm a professional. I've been in business for a long time. Should be proud of your work. You can sign your name on it. Then it's something that that person's going to be worth sharing. And that is just basically free advertising. I mean, that's someone putting out a message to all of their viewers. And again, it's not one person, you know, alone, but over time adding up. I think it's the most important thing that that any brand can be wanting to do. And, and that's why I think you'll see brands today spending just a little bit more money getting people to try them first, have that good experience, become a customer for life and, and be an advocate. I mean, that's the golden ticket. There's a great example I recently saw um, in the wild of Lululemon. I am not a customer of theirs, although I know they do uh, good stuff. I know they also have a bad reputation of being pretty expensive, like really expensive, maybe not a bad reputation. Some people see that as a good thing and associate with quality. Um, and there's a lot of like copycats, I guess, out there of Lululemons, like on Amazon and generic brands. Uh, because people love the the style and the fashion. And they said they did an event, I think, in New York City, where if, if you bring in person and trade in one of your lookalikes, we'll give you a real pair of ours for free, you know, for no cost. Wow. So they got all of these people to come in and give away their, you know, competing brand or generic brand, gave away their product for, you know, lost a lot of money, but instantly turned in, you know, these people who said, like, at the beginning, that's the brand I probably wanted. It's why I got the lookalike. But wow, talk about like a major move and, you know, an, yeah. an investment for them for sure. But the advocacy and the loyalty of the people that probably got to experience that or even just hear about it, you're like, wow, what a cool company that believes in themselves that much um, that they say they we're the only one um, and we're willing yeah. to to kind of like stand behind that. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And like it, it seems like a major part of, of what I see you do. And actually, I've, I've, I've read Bridget Brennan's talked about this quite a bit, is when you offer this good quality product or service, you should actually focus your marketing efforts on making it easy for people to share. I think this is a huge thing that you do is like, so say you've got this client that has a great product or service but they don't have easy channels built for their customers to share that, like by creating memorable moments or including things that are maybe low cost to the company, but by including it, it makes it very easy to share that experience. I think that that's huge. Like, just like you were saying, I mean, I say this all the time whenever I'm teaching sales and marketing, like it's amazing how people that buy $15,000 fireplaces have friends that buy $15,000 fireplaces. It's just the way it works. Like that's the way it works. And if you've got someone that knows you and trusts you and they spent 15 grand on this and they're happy with the work, man, I know where I'm going to invest my marketing efforts. Like I'm not doing some random flipping TV ad that's going to go all over Milwaukee to people who only 0.003% even have the income and the timing to, to do this. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to go after the people that know me, that trust me, that have had that personal brand experience and can share that with others. Like that's where I'm going to focus my effort. Totally, dude. And, you know, sometimes I get in trouble for this, but two ideas you just inspired out of me that could be easy for people to take advantage of advocacy um, in two different ways, right? So I'm a huge believer in the thank you note. And I think that it's something that our industry can do a great job with, even handwritten or not. Don't take for granted how important just an online review is for your service, whether that's on Google, Yelp, or your brand website itself. So, you know, when the service is done and you know you've done a great job, which I know you have, Go ahead and send a note. People are busy that, you know, oftentimes you think, oh, they'll do it. I trust them. And if they didn't, they don't want to send a note send an email. Maybe there could even be a QR code in it that just makes it easy to scan and just leave five stars and a great review. If you felt like it was a great experience, it's impossible to do that until after the transaction. But so many times after the transaction or the service is completed, we call it the end of the day. Don't forget to get that advocacy. And then here's another one. Not everyone could do it. But, you know, what if what if you sent a card and said, hey. For the rest of the year, if someone comes in and says, you referred me, you know, Tim Reed sent me in, I'll give you a $50 Visa gift card. Um, so all of a sudden, it's like truly putting that advocacy to the test. And I think um, saying, hey, you know what, we'll send you a little Visa gift card, use it for Christmas shopping for your kids. All you got to do is yeah. what you're probably going to do anyways, tell all your friends that you just installed a new fireplace, but make sure you let them know that you had a great experience and, and where it was from. They'll probably ask anyways. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's so good. And uh you know, as, as we close out, like, I, I think that advocacy, like, that is the heart of this conversation, like understanding the person that you're trying to help solve a problem and doing it really well. And hopefully they become a member of the tribe and then they can invite more people in. But there's a, a number of brands that I would say, like, I am an advocate for and they don't pay me to do it. I just love their product. I love their marketing. I believe in their mission. And I'll tell everybody and part of it's like a status thing for me that as I tell people, I feel cool. But like for me, I've talked about this on the on the podcast before, but like I'm picking up this nomadic bag, right? I mean, I think I, I think I told you all about this, right? Yes, yes. And that's what I mean with the article. I think that people are excited to share great experiences and things they love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like these backpacks are not cheap and I've bought a lot of them to send like to people that I care about because like it's meant something to me and I want them to have the same experience that I did. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here, dude. You are an advocate for a product that you told me about. 
when yes. we were hanging out together in person. Like, what? okay, what is the product that you are an advocate for? Well, I mean, I don't even know if I need to say it because people think I'm getting paid for it or not, but um, it's Saks underwear. It's boxer briefs. I don't know if I told you the story, but part of my thank you package um, to my groomsmen when they accepted uh, standing up for me at my wedding actually was a pair of these boxers among a couple other things. And yeah, to this day, there's uh, people who still bring it up and say like, you changed my life. I've, I've totally converted and switched out. And I'm sure that story grows. So if you're a brand who can deliver, you know, quality or truly deliver an experience where you, you get someone um, or that, you, you know, you just do a great job. I think it's so easy for people to want to share that. It's something that brands and businesses need to be taking advantage of. People are willing to advocate for you if they have a positive experience. Sometimes they need a nudge, reminder, email, thank you card, whatever it may be, but people will do it. And I, and I don't think it's as inauthentic as it might used to have felt. I mean, I, I remember as soon as you started talking about that, that you were going to be talking about Nomadic. I know you wear those bags and, and I'm the same way. So I have a couple other brands like that. And it's like, I think there's really something there um, and something that like a, a real magic that people can take advantage of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if it's a backpack, if it's underwear, if it's a fireplace, like if your product solves a genuine problem and you can show the customer that you care and that you can make their life better, they will tell people about it. And then that's, yes. that's what I'm taking away. Tyler, this has been amazing, man. I, I'm so thankful for you. And, and I think that you gave us a ton of value. Thanks a ton for being here today. Uh, it was my pleasure, Tim. I would uh, I would be honored to do this again in the future, and I will be, um, as always, listening to the podcast. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Awesome, man. I'll hold you to that. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Tyler Anderson. I meant what I said. He is truly one of my favorite people that I've met in the last couple of years. It has been so much fun getting to spend time with him. And I mean, he just comes across as so genuine in these conversations, but I'm telling you, like when you meet this guy in person, he's the exact same way that, that he really cares about, about doing this the right way. He has passion for it and he's hungry to learn and just continue to master his craft. So man, that's just an honor for me to be able to talk with him. So as we round out here, there, there's a couple of things that, that I want to hone in on. Number one, the user experience. Is your company in touch with the user experience of your customers? It, it, literally, as I'm recording this, I'm, I'm looking at my sign on the wall that has the core values of Wi-Fi. And one of our core values is always be in touch with our partner's experience. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect at that, but we had to have that as a constant reminder to say we always have to be in touch with our partner's experience. You know, for, for your company, whether you're a manufacturer, a distributor, or a retailer, what is your customer's experience? How do they encounter you on your website? What do they think about that? When your crews show up to the house, what goes through their mind? When they leave, are they happy with what's been done? Are they confused? When we start to map out how our customers experience our company, brand, or product, we gain amazing insight into what needs to be done. And that actually goes right into what Tyler talked about, about holding empathy sessions. I, I love that term. You know, what would it look like for your company to spend an hour holding an empathy session about how people first come into contact with your business? And just think about that, brainstorm it. What would it be like if we were thinking about a fireplace and, and we had to get started somewhere? What would we do? Where would, would we go? When we went to this website, what would it look like to us? When we walked in the store, would we understand where things were? You'll get so much out of it. 
If you're a manufacturer, I want you to think about the same thing. How do people find your brand and what is going to be their experience when they first come into contact with it? Now, think about your, your retailers. What is their experience in dealing with you, with your warranty process, with your delivery schedule, with your confirmation process? These are all things that give us insight into marketing. Because as we start to understand who our customers are, what they're thinking, and what they're going through as they interact with us or other companies like us, well, now we have an understanding of what problems we can solve for them or where we need to be solving a problem better. This has been something for me that I've just been thinking about a lot over the last six, seven months at Wi-Fi. Me and Matt Bradley and the rest of our team have been talking about this extensively, making sure we're in touch with that experience and asking what problems could we solve now that we understand even better what our customers experience. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's a treasure trove. Now, one of the things that, that really caught me off guard when Tyler said this, I, I wrote it down, is the question he asked, how can you get people to fall in love with your brand? And I think that's a really worthy question. How can you get people to fall in love with your brand? Well, there need to be a few things. You, you obviously need to offer some kind of a product or service that, that is good or beneficial. You probably need to deliver it well, at least adequately. And I would say most importantly, the people who are buying the service or product or experiencing what you're offering need to feel like this is for them. And, and it goes back to, you know, that example I gave, and I, I don't mean to tear down, you know, Nike or, or Jared's gallery of jewelry. Those are just the examples that came to my mind. But Am I coming alongside my customer to say, hey, I know what this is like. I've been there before and I'm with you. We're going to climb this mountain together. Or am I looking at it from a white tower and looking at them like a rat in a maze? And I'm just putting breadcrumbs in front of them to manipulate them and lead them towards the next thing. If you can do the first one and say, hey, we know what it's like to be in this position. Hey, we know what it's like to live in a house where your family is not warm and comfortable. But people like us do things like this. We found that by putting in a fireplace, you'll transform your home. You can stay safe in a power outage and you can create a space that literally makes memories for the rest of your children's lives. When, when you can come alongside and paint an aspirational identity, people will follow it because there are people like you. When there are people like you and you say, oh yeah, well, people like us, we do things like this. Man, they will follow it. And if you can deliver that experience, they can fall in love with your brand. And like we, we talk about this on the podcast a lot. My belief truly is that no company in our industry on the fireplace side will ever become a household name. I, I, I do not believe it will happen. I don't think it's possible. No one's big enough. No one has enough money to flood the market with advertising for years. Our products are bought too infrequently. But I, I didn't say no company in our industry can create a brand. I said no company in our industry can be a household name, but you can be a company that creates a brand. And for the people who know you and trust you, they can be in love with your brand. Even if they only buy a fireplace every 20 years, if you can give them an amazing experience and show compassion and generosity and empathy and gratitude, dude, people will fall in love with you. And as, as we talked at the end about the brands that, that we both champion, you know, for me, Nomadic is one of them, you know, Muji pens. Like I just, I love Muji pens and I don't know, Muji's in Japan. They don't pay me to say this. I just think they're awesome. And for Tyler, you know, it's Saks underwear. There's, there's other brands that he has too. 
But when people fall in love with your brand because your brand makes them feel important or feel like they have gained status, they will share that. They really will. It's like, it's like when you're the first person to learn about a band and it becomes a joy to tell all of your friends about it. And then if you're at an event somewhere and you see somebody else wearing a t-shirt of this obscure band, instantly you've got a connection together because again, people like us do things like this. So I hope you guys got a ton of value out of that conversation. I, I, I think that, man, there's a lot there to chew on. Well, hey, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. And, and as, you, as you go out today, I, I know that we are in the thick of it. But I want you to think about your user experience. My, my action item, literally before next week, I want you to take 30 minutes and grab somebody in your company and host an empathy session focused on one of your customers. And honestly, you know where I would start? I would start with your installation process. How do people feel about your brand from the time that you order the product, you call them to schedule, you arrive at the job site, you finish the job, explain how to use the product and leave. Have an empathy session on that. And I guarantee there's going to be some amazing things that come from it. So with that said, I'm going to let you go. I hope you guys have an amazing week and we'll talk again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by InBloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all in to burn in